Oh, thank you. It's like a tea party. It is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, if we did goodbye. I feel like I should pour yours in return. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Am I the first person that's been on a second time? You are the first person that's been on a second time. So, yes. Yeah. Good. Welcome to Young and Concrete Podcast, guys. Hello. Yay. Hello. Yay. So, obviously, um, for anyone listening, as we just mentioned, Mel's been before. Is this your first time? This is my first time. Be gentle. I Happy to be here. Exhilarating. Oh, be, yeah. be kind to me. I am exhilarated. I mean, you know, <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> this is my exhilarated face. It is. It's um, obviously, we usually start with the first question of how long have we known each other, but we've already answered that question. And then we were discussing that we already kind of know each other, but we're not sure why. Yeah, I know your face, but yeah, I can't figure why. I've probably just seen you around. It's probably just events. I feel like there must be overlapping friends between us. But probably. you hardly go to anything. Yeah, but I've been in Lincoln eight years. I've been in Lincoln a while. Yeah. It's, all this, it's like Lincoln Syndrome now, like the amount of people that walk around and kind of, I know you, but yeah. I don't know how I know you. Yes. I do that sometimes scarily because I'm from Scunthorpe and mm. then I'll see people and I'm like, I know you, I know, I know why you're, you're from Scunthorpe, you, but you, do you know you're from Scunthorpe? And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get a little worried, I'm just but like, just know? in case there's doubt. Are you the same person? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's, yeah, it's one of those unusual things, but I'm finding that with the podcast. Of just running into people. That's interesting, especially like artistic people as well. Like there'll yeah. be there'll almost be like a small nod of a, like I know who I you know are, you. I know yeah. what you do, but. <laughs> and then there's those people you see at events, and you always see them, but you never speak to them. Yeah, you'll never like, speak to them. No, ever. No, Which is a shame. I mean, yeah. kind of like the mystery of it sometimes. If it, mm. it does feel a little clicky though. Mm, yeah. Like yeah. between groups, so you'll mm-hmm. be at an event and you'll see a little group of friends and you're like, mm, We don't speak to We them. don't speak to that group of friends. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the other group of friends who attend this event. But yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting being. I mean, you've been in Lincoln, what? Eight, eight years, too. Yeah. yeah. Cool, then. I don't remember. A while. <laughs> I've, got, I've gone and then come back as well, so. That's fair enough. How long have you two known each other? Not very long. <laughs> Since the beginning of Witter. I think I saw you at the Little City Creates thing when you gigged in the Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think I walked in, thought you were someone else. I think maybe you thought I was someone else, and we smiled at each other. I was like, hi! <laughs> and oh, wait, no, I don't like, know you. Social convention hit in, and we were like, no, we don't, let's not talk. <laughs> um, but no, um, and that was that was a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. But no, we've never spoken until, until um, Gemma was like, oh, do you want to organise this thing with me? Sarah Hughes is doing it too, and I was yeah. like, oh, cool, and then, yeah, hmm. so, five weeks? Five weeks. <laughs> I mean, that's how little time we've been organising this phenomenon. And of course, Gemma being the, the missing pie to, you, to yeah. your crew. She is the missing pie, yeah. bless her. We're yet to have a, an appearance where the three of us have, have gone You've not managed to go all three of you? I mean, we've, we've had meetings, the three of us, but yeah. not for not, not for publicly. anything. Yeah, nothing publicly. No so public I think, appearance. I think the actual event will be the first time. <laughs> so we can all, all, all implode. <laughs> so <laughs> I think three. So <laughs> <don't laughs> like you work as pairs, but you're in three. <laughs> the space-time continuum will. Uh... Yeah, it might rip a hole in the universe, in the fabric of the universe, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, that's always a good thing, yeah. if you're going to do it. This of course, memorable. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, the event we're talking about is your Witter event, yes. which stands for... Women, Women in the Arts. Arts. And that's on... 
March eight. the 8th. 8th of March. It's like next week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, it's These aren't panicked faces, which are. Oh my god, this week. <laughs> 10 days. Although, when this goes to air. When this, you... this goes to air on Friday, so it'll be literally a week, six, less than a week. Six days. Yeah. Six days to go. Six days to go. Excited. Yeah. And you can't buy tickets. You can't. Sold out. sold out. And to be fair, how many events in Lincoln sell out? Not many. Not many. Especially so, not new events. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. exciting to have sold yeah. out. So how many tickets do you have? A hundred. hundred tickets. Nice. Yeah, we we had uh, 70, what, 70 seated tickets, which yep. sold out um, a week and a half or so ago, maybe. And then we released um, 20, 20 standing, standing tickets. Yeah, and then we've let a few sort of people in that are assisting with the night. So it's about, about 100 all in all. And with performers as well, I think we've got about 117 people at the event. Nice. So, it's going to be a nice yeah. one. Easy really event. proud of the lineup we've got. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. How many performers have you got? Do you know? Or do you not I know? I think Dem- Demma would know. She's the, she's the <laughs> statistics lady. She's the Carol Vorderman okay. of... Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's about 14, 15 people. Yeah, I think that's oh, roughly around it. Mm. I was expecting like 10 Oh, no, five, no, ten, I'll be... We've got this covered. Got this covered. I, I mean, we've got we seven till midnight, so we need a lot <laughs> of performance. <laughs> I think everybody's getting ten minutes each as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think it, it'll be good. I mean, it'd be really nice for like future events to maybe give people a little bit longer to really showcase yeah. what they do. Yeah. But I think for the first event, it's going to be really nice to have so much diversity mm. and different faces. Yeah. People keep referring to it as like a gala. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does, it does oh, I think it's going to end up just feeling like a prom. Oh, I never gosh. had a prom, so this that's fine with me. <laughs> I, I mean, I refuse to go to prom. So well, you bought tickets I, I for mean, this one. I've got one. a ticket for this one. You're gonna have to bring a, a, a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> one most tacky tuxedo, <laughs> please. A nice blue one with frills. Yes, of a t-shirt with a tux printed on it. <laughs> Which I think is, I mean, is that's it? too far. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's I love the idea of a tacky tux, though. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You'll have to get some water wall paint as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to be offering glitter. Glitter for the witter ladies. See, I, even I don't need to be near glitter and I'll end up covered in glitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. <laughs> I think that was the problem we saw you at uh, Plastic Brain Press. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had Richard on before. Yeah, he's still got, his coat is still covered. Yeah, he, he just hugged me and I, I came away covered in glitter. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't avoid it. There's just a magnetism between Glitter and me. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. No, just no. embrace, embrace it. it. Yeah. Like Gemma's sparkle. carpet is covered in Glitter. She's trying it's to like sand. It out. It's just everywhere. <laughs> She's never, ever going to get that carpet the same ever again. Never. But I think she's Fine. okay with it. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a unicorn lives there. <laughs> just cover the whole carpet and then... Like a mermaid yeah. is defecated <laughs> across the carpet. How would that work? <laughs> It'd be very glittery. It would mm. be very glittery. Obviously. Oh yeah. The, yeah. yeah. I'm literally. Like, I know. I just started thinking about where's the mermaid's asshole. <laughs> There's a song. Where's the, the mermaid's asshole? Yeah. So coming soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> New single. Where is a mermaid's asshole? Although Sarah is working on an album. Ooh. I am. Ooh. Cheeky plug. Plug away. Plug away. Uh, it's called The House with All the Stairs. <coughs> it's a work in progress. What kind of music is it? Um, just your standard singer-songwriter stuff. I don't really know, like, when people say, what are my influences, um, it's difficult to say. Yeah. Because <coughs> I listen to all sorts of genres and all the different artists, 
and then whenever I sit and write my own songs, none of that is taken into account. Yeah. You don't sit and go, I want to write a song like this or be like that. Because um, I think with me recently, I've only just started writing my own songs the past year and they've all been really personal and autobiographical. Mm-hmm. So it's never sat with the intention of this is the sound I'm going for. Yeah. It's always just this is the story I'm telling. So, yeah. I can understand. I think I had um, Callum on here before who does music as well. And he was saying that he, he whenever he tries to write music he listens to he fails. Yeah, that's kind of, he exactly. He starts it. off thinking, "Oh, I can do this," and then just you can't be anybody yeah. else. Like, yeah. um, I've got Chuffy and the Smashing Pumpkins t-shirt, um, tattoo. Mm. And when I was a kid, I used to look up to these artists, and you know, you've got you've got that bedroom where it's covered in posters, and these are all the things that you think make up you. And it's only until you grow up and you grow older, and you're like, "That's actually not the story I have to tell." Yeah. So I think for me, songwriting, the major breakthrough came when I started writing honesty mm-hmm. and like writing almost for self-therapy. And then it wasn't until I performed them live that it was like, oh, people actually like them. Yeah. That's interesting because yeah. it wasn't written with the intention of, look how good I am. It was written like for selfish reasons. <laughs> but it seems to work. Yeah. I think it's reasons. better than yeah. trying to please people. Yeah, because I think, I think yeah. if, you, if you do anything for that reason, it's never going to... It's never going to be as fulfilling or as satisfying. And I think people will see how, people can see how invested you are. And I think passion is attractive. I think if they can see that you really care about what you've written, then they will care as well. Yeah. I think that's true of kind of all mediums. Yeah. Yeah, not just passive music. Because I got thinking about you, the, the title, obviously, Women in the Arts. When I think arts, I automatically think fine art paintings, illustrations, stuff like that, but it's quite a broad title. Yeah, there's so much. So with your performers, you've kind of gone across the board of what you're actually including. Yeah, we've hoped to. We've got a lot of poets. Yeah. Um, but we we tried, really. Like, we struggled finding more musicians. We really wanted to get, like, a like a riot girl band or something. Right. But there's nothing in Lincoln. We can't find any Yeah, like, female, yeah. female band. Other, other cities. Incredible. Um, like, Nottingham, yeah. Sheffield, Derby. Yeah, no problem. Lincoln, we couldn't find... It doesn't mean that they're not there. This thing we want to find all these people. We want to find more comedians. Mm. I say um, comedian seems like the hard one to find. Honestly, yeah, we've got one and she's amazing. Yeah. Gina I met one yesterday at the Uni Slam thing. Yeah. Um, and she was hilarious. And it was the first time she said she'd ever performed. And you couldn't tell. You yeah. really couldn't. Um, so I've put her in touch with a few people, yeah. and hopefully she's going to start doing the circuits. Yeah, because like there on are the comedy crossover, there's like yeah. Jess Maguire, mm. who's comedian poet. Um, yeah, but we yeah we tried uh, we're trying to find more we're trying to reach out to more like female playwrights and filmmakers. We'd love yeah. to be able to hold little like film festivals and have monologues and you know one woman shows and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's been more difficult than we thought it was going to be trying to find yeah. diff- like just a really wide variety of, of performers but that's why we're here we want to encourage people we want to uplift who's already out there and encourage yeah. people that are wanting to do those things so I think it begs the question of why like yeah. why aren't there more female stand-ups why aren't there women you know in Lincoln making films writing plays things like that um, and if is it because for fear is it because like they've never they don't know women that do it themselves so they don't know it's something they can do so i think a lot of it is trying to educate and be mm-hmm. like if we can find women that do do it can. be like look like they're doing it if you've got if you you know want to have a go then yeah. have a go and to try and make lincoln feel like they can do those sorts of things i think so many students come here 
Sorry. <laughs> I realised I hadn't put sugar in my coffee and I was trying to surreptitiously stir and it just <laughs> failed. So it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's all part of the show. Yeah, it's all part of the rhythm. Um, but yeah, I think so many students come here and then they go because they stay a couple of months and like, oh, well, there's, no, there's nothing here. Yeah. That's, so if that's we the can make it a city, into, yeah. 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 But if we can make it a city where people go, you know what, this is a pretty hip-happening place to be for the cats <laughs> and the beatniks. Um, Please don't describe it as that to kids. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to their language. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with the kids. Hashtag cool. Um, this is, if you want to all... do your hippity hop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are hoping to reach out to the students. I was so, gonna, like, yeah. gag me when we do that. Because that will ruin everything. I mean, yeah, I don't think the students are aware of this show, but, like, you know, well, we may, may avoid uncooling ourselves to begin never, with. You never know. I mean, you I went know. to, um, uh, I was helping a friend who was campaigning to be um, the community welfare person at the SEU and we went to one of the student accommodations and spoke to the manager there and they they gave us some interesting insights into student behaviours that I certainly have forgotten having not done it for a long time Mm. Um, and that is that students will especially first years I mean they'll be they'll be with their little groups and but they might not necessarily be the friends that they want or will have later on down the line and they'll go to things because those groups go to those things and a lot of them will, it's, it's got to be in front of their faces before, yeah. you know, they'll they'll kind of branch out. So I think a lot of it is, like, fear or not knowing what's out there. the comfort of they have the, the little uni life and they don't really know what else is going on. Yeah, so they only so. go to things that other students go to. Mm. Um, and I, I certainly am not friends with the people I was first friends with in my first year. Like, mm. sometimes you don't find your people until <sighs> later on. But walking around, like, seeing, like, some of, um, you know, their dorms and things like that... And they've got, like, feminist books and quotes and, like, you can tell that there's, like, a real, like, there's artists, there's creators in there. They're just, we just don't there's know about new, them. This new wave of feminism is so caught up in, like, social media and mm. uh, it's influencing young people so much. Like, when I was, not, uh, I think I was probably part of this this kind of new wave that, not part of, but the timing, I was a student, all this stuff was sweeping yeah. again and I was part of it, but I think maybe generations before that, um, it, sometimes feminism can be quite hard to access unless you know the names of writers or activists or whatever you're yeah. not really aware of it whereas now it's it's everywhere and with so many campaigns and stories in the media obviously there's some awful things going on at the moment but the upside of that is that people are working really hard to combat it and yeah. it's all happening at a good time I think mm. um, so there's just all these young people that are creating and passionate and they want their names to be out there a lot of creatives tend to live solo lives like a lot of creativity is very insular um i know i'm guilty of being a bit of a hermit when i'm in a creative phase but it'd be really nice to connect these people and to network and because i think it can be quite a lonely existence yeah Yeah. there needs to be more studio space like shared studio space i mean we talked about that a lot yeah Especially it's around like so great yeah. to have something like that. I think in a way it's interesting because obviously you say it's like it's like a movement compared to other movements in the past. Obviously now we're all very social media based. Mm, yeah. I think that's kind of been in a way a detriment to it because so many people are online promoting it that you don't see anything physical. Mm. You don't see anything yeah, in the street. You, see you don't see anything. Bots, yeah. but they're organised online. Yeah, and it's kind of like you you don't like especially for students who can be quite insular and very caught up in their their own social groups because they don't see anything physical going on on the outside. 
they forget about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's like online, they'll be very active, very doing, talking, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But outside of that, they don't. And I think, yeah, you need to bridge that gap. Yeah. Whereas I in, think in that the would past, really, we've definitely every, had a everything certain, was outside because yeah. people need to get together to talk. We've definitely yeah. had a certain response to women in the arts. It has been women, 20s, 30s upwards, working yeah. women, um, business owners, that sort of thing, which is amazing. But it would be great if we can reach out to more students and... I know you were searching for, was it sponsors at some point? Yeah. Yeah, they've got some. Yeah. Nice. The response has been amazing. Yeah. Like, raffle prize donations and also, like, actual, like, sponsors, people that are really going to help us. It's been such a whirlwind sort of response. No, it was like, right, we're going to do this. And now we're (laughs) doing it. We expected it to go okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And all this happened and we haven't even held the sodding event yet. Like... I know, we haven't even had our first event. And then every time we meet up for our meetings, like... We've got so many ideas. We've got so much that we could do. We've yeah. had to hold ourselves back. A bit. Yeah, we're literally yeah, we'll having to hold. Nice we've like, we've got we've yeah, got this yeah. first event first. Let's get this over and done Steady with ourselves. Yeah. yeah, but I would rather have like so many artists and so many ideas than be sat s- scraping something yeah. together. Yeah, as I think we've really hit a niche. I think we've really hit something that like people respond to, and I think when you do that, you've just got to go go running with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Completely agree. It's mm. gonna be good. Yeah. Thank you for supporting. Graham Calling supports Witter. I do. He's an ally. I'm an ally. So I'm going to go, I have a problem with the word ally. (laughs) 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 Fair enough. Um, Excuse me. So obviously we allow a subject to come to to yelling at concrete. Every, Every guest picks a subject. And you've chosen a subject between you? Yes, yeah, so we've, I mean, we've started to touch on it. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously it's all kind of interlinked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's something that's very interesting, especially when you look at it within like female performers as well, but uh, especially like um, also with male performers as well, because, mm. um, you know, the whole feelings thing. Um, so basically, I will get around, <laughs> I will get around <laughs> to <laughs> elbows um, to answer what you just said in a non-rambling way. Okay. We thought it'd be cool to come on and talk about sharing very personal work and, and performing it and the ramifications and reactions that you get from it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What's, okay, here's a question for you. What's the most personal work you've ever shared to, to an audience? I love poem about my clitoris. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I need to read this or see this. Have you I not seen this? No, I, I haven't. Seen it twice. I've only performed it twice. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did yeah, the first was at the birdcage. Yep. I got very drunk, and the audience were very drunk, and I think it went down okay. Um, uh, and then performed it at Crash Course in Brain Surgery, which you were there for, yep. and. Yeah, it's very different being very sober and everyone else being very sober. And you're there like, I wank! <laughs> like, it's, um, yeah, the, that, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel personal to me because I'm not, I'm not telling a poem about me masturbating. Yeah. I'm trying to make people laugh and I forget that it will have a different response as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, I'd like to think people enjoy it. And it's just supposed to be silly. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. None of my stuff is trying to be like sexy, which is a good job. Um, but oh, it wouldn't matter if you were. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to just be a bit silly and, yeah. and nonsensical and witty. Um, and I forget that 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 it is so personal because I think I just go, "What's funny? Rude stuff." 
and rhyming things with each other. And yeah. it's just what I enjoy writing. It's sort of stuff that I like hearing. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to replicate. But, um, Amazing. Yeah, but but then I find that a lot easier than I couldn't get up and read a proper love poem. Right. I think I've written one thing that could be considered a love poem, and I don't know if I could ever perform it because that feels more intimate and personal yeah. than talking about tits and fanny all the time. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I get that. That makes sense. I mean, it's so easy to hide behind humour, and yeah. I think um, when I initially started songwriting. Years ago, in like joke bands, me and my friend had a joke band with a ukulele and the spoons. And oh my we, god! Yeah, <laughs> and we, I would play the spoons, and she would play the ukulele. Is that what you were called as well? Ukulele, ukulele and the spoons. spoons. No, but that would have been <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> Might have to. I want to see ukulele. Reunion, so I love ukulele and spoons. <laughs> but it was just, we just used to write like in about ten minutes. We used to write just absolute daft rubbish, and it would be about our friends and parties and beer and things like that. And it was we'd we'd only play it at parties that we had yeah. so it was very much kind of in with our friendship group and then it wasn't until last year where I started writing my own stuff and this was for like therapy reasons because it turns out there was a two-year waiting list for counselling so I was like well I might as well do my own therapy then. Is it only last year that you started? You seem like such a, an established performer I didn't realise it's only been like yeah I'm good at self-promotion <laughs> and I'll play I'll play literally anything so if somebody asks me to play I'll, I'll do it yeah. um because it initially started, it went alongside my my choice to go sober, right. so quitting drinking. Mm-hmm. And um, quitting drinking seems to kind of open a Pandora's box of emotions. All of a sudden I was dealing with things from my past that I had no idea I hadn't dealt with. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to put it. I don't. I can't sit and just tell somebody all of these things because that would be weird and intense. And you're on a waiting list. Yeah, I'm on a waiting yeah. list. So I started writing songs and they were all about those things. Um, and then I was like, I think this might actually be good, but I'm not sure. And then my friend gave me a gig and I said, no, because I'm not a real musician. You need a real musician. And he was like, no, I want you. So I was like, okay. And I did all original songs. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever played all original songs. And I did a full set of them. And they were all about those things. Yeah. I did one about mental health, um, a story about my sister who's got paranoid schizophrenia and was in and out of section at the time and it's called little spoon and it's like about i've heard that one yeah it's about us as kids growing up together um i've got one about alcohol um the girl who never quits which is about kind of struggling with alcoholism and being in denial i've got songs about my nana who's terminally ill like all of those things are very much you you know those songs are about me Mm. you know those songs are about me and there's no getting away from it I can't I can't then distance myself from them but then whenever I perform them like people seem to really really respond because I'm not just getting up and playing somebody else's story I'm there this is my story and it seems to work I think in the open mic circuit as well like don't get me wrong I love a covers band as much as the next um audience member I don't know how I was going to end that sentence um, <laughs> but there's especially like so much open mic stuff because it is people getting up and giving it a go which is amazing and I yeah. love going to all those sort of stuff I think one of the brewer is one of the best things in Lincoln and it's lovely to see like people of all different capabilities yeah. beginners who've never played before yeah, yeah. you can see them shaking and you can see how happy they are when they, yeah, it goes yeah, all absolutely right. but there is something lovely about someone who also gets up and has you know a collection of songs that they've done themselves it's something new it's something fresh that you haven't heard before mm. um, and I think it's really great to see people on the circuit doing those sorts of things and yeah we need more of it 
I think that the fear of like writing your own songs is because it's so personal. It's mm. almost like getting on stage and taking off all of your clothes and everybody going, ugh. <laughs> and people can be like so about music as yes. well. Yeah, yes, yeah. musician ego is totally a thing. Um, You've had people be quite shitty to you. I've, well. I've had people be, oh, I bet, oh, I bet you're a singer-songwriter. I bet you're a girl who plays guitar and mm. writes songs. Like, does, do you have to say it like that? Do yeah. you have to talk to me like that? about a bowler hat. Yeah, something like that. It was just, yeah, it can be, people can be quite patronising yeah. um, and egotistical. And, you know, like, my stuff, I play quite simply. I'm not shredding my guitar and things like that. Some, to some people, that's not good enough. Like, yeah, yeah. So I think musicians can be a little bit unfriendly towards each other, yeah. which I'm totally not about. Because no. at the end There's of the day, no music should be fun. Yeah. You should enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what you do. There's nothing wrong with smiling and engaging with the audience. There's no need to be, I'm the musician and you're the audience member and there is a divide and you, you know, you are here to see me. There's, there's no need for that. The best gigs, I think, are the ones where everybody's like collectively one, just enjoying an experience yeah. rather than here is something that I can do that you cannot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you find that it is helping as well, like writing? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like, um, <coughs> where I am now to where I was a year ago is completely different. And some of the songs I'm writing now are different to the ones I've started writing like last year. Um, and it's been incredible. And like music and art and things, I used to do so much when I was a teenager. And then I got hit my 20s and just became a drunk, just became the party girl. And that was what I did. I went from hangover to hangover. Mm. I was that girl that would always come out. Like, oh, she, she'll say, yeah, she's always out and stay up till 4 a.m. and things like that. I had nothing else. I had nothing else going for me. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like myself. And I stopped, stopped being able to recognize who I was. <coughs> and then it wasn't until I stopped drinking that I was like, so what do I do? What's mine? What do I have? And that became writing music and painting, like I used to do when I was a teenager. So it's almost like I grew up in order to go back. Yeah, yeah. you might have initially felt like you'd lost your identity because you didn't have the party girl thing. But then it's a chance to rediscover things about yourself. And yeah, and I was like, if I go don't... Go back to things that you haven't yeah. done. I was like, if I don't like myself, like, is it because... Like, what what is the reason for it? So then I started making things and then that would make me feel good and then people would like say nice things about them and then I slowly started to like myself as I was instead of what I thought everybody else wanted me to be yeah. which was I mean even when I decided to go sober there would be people that were like oh you know just cut back you really mm. you know you're really fun when you yeah. drink and mm. wouldn't it be really weird and you do have those people that say those kinds of things to you and it's like why am I not enough on my own yeah. why that's normally do you coming need... from somebody's yeah. own kind of why do you need me to be drunk <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah I do find that it's interesting you're saying like when you you kind of you go through your journey to like regress a little bit yeah you know, like finding yourself because I found that doing because I, I started off doing filmmaking mm. in uni and then kind of came back to illustration, which I'd done as a kid and through, like, senior school. And I completely abandoned that into uni because I was like, oh, film photography and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you just work your way back around. And I think a lot of people do that. I think where a lot you, of people you kind do of that. pick up something after trying something yeah. and go, oh, wait, I used to do that. Yeah, that's what I've been getting with all the poetry stuff as well. Yeah. I, think, I think you get, I think, especially when a teenager, you find something, so, like, if you're into art or whatever, I know for myself, like, from the age of maybe like nine or ten, people are like, oh, she's a drawer, like mm. she she draws, she colours in, you know, all that stuff. 
and you kind of get like everyone's encouraged to do what they're best at and then you kind of get to a point where you're like well, what else can I do and I remember when I got to A levels I discovered like media studies and got obsessed like I lo- I've always loved films but I was like I could do this but then I wobbled last minute with uni application was like but but I'm an art person yeah. and it's so you get so set in who you think in doing one thing yeah. we don't tell people actually you can try bits and bobs of different things you don't have to you can be everything yeah and I think that was I think definitely growing up I came from like a really rubbish small town and everybody it was just like just full of chaps there was no arty people even Mm. the teachers didn't know anything about all the things that I thought I wanted to do so it was definitely distracted of yeah you're good at drawing yeah you can you know you can sing but you should probably focus on this yeah you should probably focus on getting a job and I would I would remember feeling really sad because I was like but these are the things that I do in my spare time like religiously this is what I do every day and I'm being told that I can't do it and really struggling with that and really and I think part of that ended up leading to making destructive decisions because it was almost like being told what you are isn't good enough and you can't be that so you have to find something else to be and that's not always the that's not what you want to hear. No. Yeah. It's only till getting to this stage where I'm like, I can be everything I want to be. There's no reason why I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody gets to tell me. I can be an artist, I can be a musician, I can be a writer, I can be any of those things because yeah. I've decided to. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think especially I don't know why, but we have an education system which is kind of well it's a very target led education system. So you've got a lot of things which are like, oh, you need to reach this grade, you need to be doing this, this and the other. And then when you get to kind of senior school, like the end of senior school and then it's college, they start telling you that you need to have a job mm. and whatever you're doing needs to make money. Yeah, you're a child <clears throat> and you're in this system yeah. and they basically tell you what to do and like these are the things you've got to achieve. And then they go, right, who do you want to be and what are you? Yeah. yeah. So for like, the rest of yeah. your life. So you're 17, 18, you're thinking, hang on a minute. Hang what? on a minute. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had an independent thought yet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let me figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so strange because it's kind of, you go, you go through college and you think, oh yeah, you know, you're doing this, this and the other. And then they try and push you into an, an area. Mm. So even, even within, this especially happens within the arts. Because I did mm. fine art at A level, I did media studies yeah. at A level. But I was always told fine art would never make me money, yeah. so I would have to do something with media production. But then media is just as yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like kind of, trading one. So you kind of pick it up and you go, <laughs> all right, so where can I go from there? And like, oh, well, you go to uni and you'll do something, you know, media based or that, that kind of thing. And then you come to the end of that and you're like, all right, cool. You go. Yeah, it's still like, <laughs> drop kicked out the door. It's still pretty vague advice, though. Yeah. Go to uni and do this, and yeah. it's like, but then what? But then yeah. what? Am I just meant to go through my life settling for second best all the time because yeah. you don't think it can happen, or you don't know of like anybody that's been successful? I, I vividly remember having a lecture, and it was third year uni, and we'd all gone in, and they wanted to voice some concerns because people were like, "Oh, what, what do I, what do I do when I finish uni?" Because we'd spent three years with them, and. We got to the end of it and they didn't tell us. We were like, is there any advice? You know, where do I apply to? How do I, how do yeah. I write a CV for this, that and the other? And I really remember our, our teachers just going, yeah, you should probably just move to London. That's <laughs> It's like, you've got two choices. You can either go freelance or you can move to London. And mm. I was like, what? <laughs> How's that the end yeah. device after three years? We, yeah. <laughs> what, what have I paid for? What have I paid for? We had, because um, I did illustration, and we were we had, um, I think it was like two or three lectures on like how to freelance. It was mostly right. like bits of um, stuff to do with like um, 
tax returns, that sort of stuff, and had to, had to physically, like, advise for yeah. chasing invoices, that sort of stuff. But, and I went, well, I'm never going to freelance, so I just didn't go, because <laughs> young people are idiots. That's yeah. why we go to uni too soon, and we don't know what we're doing. So we miss vital things, and we, yeah, we, but it's fun and it's great, and, and I don't regret uni, but I do, I do wonder sometimes, like, if the minimum age for uni was, like, 25, and it shouldn't be, that's not what I'm saying, but how different would all of our decisions be? Because we'd have that extra time to grow. Mm. Yeah. Bit, bit of development period. Yeah. I went to uni because everybody else went yes, to uni. Yes, exactly. It's how I was too scared to go out and get a job. I thought, well, I'll just carry on learning. And I do genuinely love learning. But then when I found when my degree started finishing, I was like, well, I need to do a master's now. So I applied to a master's, got onto it. And then I think just the... the switch went in my head and I was like but why are you actually doing this like you're going to get yourself into a lot of debt because it was before student finance put masters through and um it's like well you're just doing it because you, you're too scared to go out and actually get a job like that's quite silly yeah um mm. so I didn't do it and I think that's good I'm glad that I didn't do it I got that at uni didn't yeah. make it through my first year what did you do I did English and drama <laughs> and I hated it really? absolutely hated it yeah didn't didn't just didn't sit with me didn't get on with anybody on my course um I just couldn't stand it. I hated it. So I dropped out and started a job as a cleaner and stayed. <laughs> and just thought, I'll figure it out. I'll figure yeah, it out. Just... That's good. I don't, I don't think enough people drop out of uni when they start feeling like that. I think everyone thinks yeah. like you have to stay because you don't know what else to do. Yeah, you I was really like, if I... finish the course because you you were on the course, so you yeah. finished the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's such a push to yeah. get people into uni and not everybody wants to go. Um, where I work, there's quite a lot of young people and... Um, a lot of as in younger than me because um, I'm so old. A lot of them are actually saying like I I'm not going to go to university because yeah. it doesn't. I don't know anyone who's kind of uh, think they made the right choice. Which I think I think it's good that at least I mean, that doesn't mean every single young person is yeah. thinking that way. But it's good that people aren't seeing it as like the done thing or that there's, there's more options. Like one girl's got in like an apprenticeship down with like in like um, retail management uh, down in London. Yeah. Like she's gotten that, which is going to benef- benefit her so much more than going and doing a degree. Yeah. I mean, I was homeschooled, so the education system was still really odd, um, and I just couldn't stay within it. Um, and I do see the benefits of people who have done it, and I see other people who would like. I wish I hadn't. Yeah. So I don't think that and that any more. I don't think there's a rule anymore. No. I don't think that, that this is what you should do in order to be successful. I think you really have to listen to yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are taking advice from so many different from teachers, from parents, from other people. They're like they they stop listening to that little voice inside of us that that actually knows what we want and that maybe that's the way to go. Because yeah. how many of us, like you say, have gone full circle and gone actually? That's what I wanted to do all along. Yeah. And I was too scared to say it because everybody was yeah. telling me not to. This is the thing, all the things that we... So say say you you don't get onto a course that you want to do or you do a degree that you regret doing or all that kind of thing. You can, like like you've done with illustration, you can still go into those things. Yeah. You can still give it a go. I think we're so um, bogged down in the idea of like, well, I have to be trained and I have to have had years of experience before I can do anything. So, no, you can give it a go. There's like there might be like, more. Don't try and be a brain surgeon without. Being <laughs> yeah, give it a go. We can do anything. Oh, God, <laughs> Yolo, you can do anything. Why can't you find someone willing to allow you to do brain surgery? <laughs> <laughs> you can just put an ad out there. Wanted. <laughs> well, it's like those people that respond to carnival adverts. 
Like, yeah, I find that fascinating. Yeah. We are really weird. going off tangent here. We have not so. even talked about <laughs> our subject. So, to put the question back on you, what's the most personal thing that you've made? Um, or shared? I don't know. It's kind of... See, my work, I always find it hard to say what what's personal and what's not. Because I never think of my work as personal. I just kind of do it. Mm. And then at the same time, because I can't remember what we were saying earlier, was when you make personal work, it's so easy to forget who's going to connect with your work. Because you, you think about it from like a personal aspect of your writing or you, you, you know, you're drawing or whatever, and you sit and you make something, you think, yes, this is really personal to me. And then you don't, maybe don't put it out because you're like, nobody's going to understand this because it's my story. Nobody's going to relate to it. And then you put it out and someone goes, oh, yeah, I really connected to that. And you're thinking, why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, you've not lived my, what? And then you kind of realise that, oh, yes, and certain people do kind of bounce along. And say, I don't know, maybe my calendar, which I did. Yeah, I think I there's a, a lot of... I did a of... depressed animals calendar. It's really mm. good. Oh. It's like animals in like monotonous kind yeah. of office jobs. They're all in like office jobs and going to work and stuff like that. And it, and they come that sounds with, amazing. They come with little slogans which are all like, d- give up. And, and stop trying. I think, yeah, it's, it's funny from like a kind of nihilistic, yeah. kind of pessimistic, kind of yeah. cynical humour, which I definitely kind of relate to. But it is, that is, yeah, it, I mean, it comes from a place of frustration, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the first one I made, I made, because uh, this, this was the second year I've done it. So the first time I made it was when I was going through a breakup mm. and I did it as something to focus on. It was an idea which I'd had and I was like, I just need something to focus on. An idea which I've had for ages and ages and ages and it's going to take me a while to do it. And I just made that. You made it really quickly. Yeah, I made it in a month. And then just pushed put it out and was like, done. Mm. And, and then yeah, I did it again this year as like a continuation because people seem to enjoy it. And yeah, it is so it became good. something from which was personal to less that, than personal yeah. because I started making it more commercial yeah. to allow people to experience. I think it. we think that audiences will then connect to there's so much stuff out there that's like very optimistic and cheery and mm. like sweet slogans and stuff and um I was worried because obviously like, um, I used to do like all the body positive illustration stuff and there was a really good response to that mm. um, but a lot of it was very sort of upbeat and, and while I, I, I would say I'm not an optimistic person I do still have that kind of insecurity and worry and anxiety and when I, so when I made the transition from that to like all the male gaze stuff which can be quite sad and lonely I was really worried that people were going to be like hang on what the fuck's going on here mm. um, but um, obviously I mean it, it's still so new that it hasn't blown up in the same way that my old work did yeah. but um, people say well pe- some people have said that it's quite sort of relatable and um, sort of quite sort of intimate which is, isn't I've never done personal work before well not that I've shown anybody yeah. um, so the response to that has been interesting it's terrifying but um, but that's the risk you take though isn't yeah, it and I think people yeah. appreciate risks yeah I mean, you could just play it safe, and uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what people like. That's, that's what, what I'm going to do. Yeah, but um, people can. A point is that people can relate to the stuff that is more a bit more scary to share, and the kind of actually, I'm not quite okay sort of thing. People are more likely to respond to that than yeah. kind of everything's going to be okay. Which I mean, you know, it's nice to have supportive, happy artwork and yeah. creativity and all that kind of those things that are around that do aim to lift you up because that's nice um, but sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not alone isn't it yeah that other people shared other experiences feel like that mm-hmm. I mean I've, st- I've recently started a blog um, about sobriety mm-hmm. um, I've literally just done one post but I've got three more that like ready and set to go 
I remember sat, sat sitting down and I was like, right, I'm writing a blog. How do I write a blog? What do bloggers do? And I was like, it needs to be positive. People are going to want to relate to me. I'll try and be funny, etc., etc. And then I wrote it and I was like, it's, it's crap. It just, it's not me. And it's yeah. not true to the actual, to the story of why sobriety became something that I chose. Because now I'm happy and yeah. I love my sobriety. It's something, it's almost like my pet. <laughs> my pet sobriety. Um, and I'm super positive and really happy, but yeah. that wasn't the beginning of my sobriety story. My sobriety story did not start that way. So the first blog post pretty damn bleak. <laughs> so you rewrote it then? Or? Yeah, so I rewrote it. Yeah. And I was like, because it just wasn't, it, that wasn't the beginning. And I wrote it on the day of my first year anniversary yeah. of going sober. Right. And I remember the day that I decided I was going sober because I had a horrific hangover. Um, so I wrote it based on that. Yeah. And I wrote it from the perspective of that particular hangover yeah. and where my brain was at at that point. And I've had an amazing response already. Yeah. And I've got loads and loads of material. And some of it is going <coughs> to be light and fluffy yeah. and funny and things. But there is a lot... It would be a disservice to the experience to not, to not go into the dark yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found that your work's changed as you've gone through your sobriety? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. What have you noticed in it? I wrote a song called Oh Hughes, which, were, which is um, it's basically... When, when I used to drink and I used to think it was cool, or I used to think that I, you know my drinking stories were funny, and they were, because they were funny, yeah. um, especially to outside people. So I'd go around to my friends... And I'd sit myself on her washing machine and I'd tell her all of my drunken stories. And she was a lot more sensible than me and she'd just go, oh, Hughes. So I wrote a song called Oh, Hughes. And it's about being a bit of a drunken liability. And it's probably my catchiest song because I've got some dip-da-doos and some la-la-las. They're always good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And people sing along and I swear and I reference Facebook and... There's a line in it, I woke up with chips and cheese smothered all over my hair and in my bed sheets. And, (laughs) you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and I wrote that, well, I can't remember if I was still drinking or if I'd just cut down. And then recently I wrote The Girl Who Never Quits, which is a completely different flip side mm-hmm. of it. And it's it's a lot darker um, and it's about, I think the, the thing with somebody who's addicted to alcohol is you've, you feel like you've got this massive hollow inside of you and you're trying to stuff things into it. And sometimes when I used to drink, I used even when I was by myself, I would be out until 4am just talking to strangers, trying to stuff something into this hollow. Um, And, you know, and then there's all the funny stories, but then there's the whole risky behaviour or ending up in... Recklessness. Yeah, recklessness and um, the the danger and the bad stuff. There was the bad stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many elements to it. There's so many elements to having struggled with alcohol and then having decided to leave that behind. So I think that's why my songwriting has changed yeah. because how I'm processing it, I mean, I'm only a year in yeah. and I'm feeling different all the time. My, my stages of sobriety have been different. I've had the massive high of, I can't believe I've decided to do it and being like really high about it and then having like a weird kind of dip yeah. Yeah. of having a day with the hollow and not knowing what to put inside of it. Mm. Like, well, usually I would go out and get absolutely mashed off my face. <laughs> so what do I do with this feeling? I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you found that anyone's come up to you and said that <coughs> that they respond to the, the sobriety kind of songs? Oh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, definitely, 100%. Because um, you'd be, I mean, you'd be surprised how many people do struggle with those kind of, mm. kind of things and have addictive 
um, traits. Because it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can be sex. It can be... Shopping. Shopping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, my sister's got... Um, she's schizophrenic, but she's also got borderline personality disorder. And when she's having um, a personality dip, she goes and buys ridiculous things, like mm. all sorts, and spends hundreds of pounds. Mm. And I think that's that's another manifestation of I'm hollow what do I do how do I shove things into it to yeah, feel yeah. to feel different yeah. than and we just see it sort of being frivolous we don't go actually there might be yeah there's all sorts of there's all sorts of addictive behaviours there's all sorts of triggers like I mean we, we all carry around our own burdens in our yeah. brains um, so yeah I've had I've had people message me that I haven't spoken to for years and be like I really respect what you're doing and like I'm kind of watching from afar and like it's really interesting, and then they've opened up to me about their stories, yeah. which is amazing because then that makes me not feel so alone because yeah. I don't know. have an impact as well. Yeah. I'm the only sober person I know. Like, I still go to the pub. I don't know many people, maybe one or two. Yeah. I still go to the pub. Like, I still go stay out all night dancing. I'm at that stage now where I no longer feel self-conscious. Yeah. I'll act just as much of a moron as anyone. <laughs> um, and that's, that's like, really liberating of I don't need alcohol to yeah. be this way. Yeah. You can be in the spirit of drunk without being drunk. Yeah. Um, and drunk people treat you like you're drunk, which oh, is yeah, really yeah. interesting. <laughs> I went out with my friend and we used to drink together all the time. Um, and she was like, oh, I can't believe you're sober now. That's really cool. And then she got really levered and had her arms around me and like, I love you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and, you know, she treated me like I was the same as her. Yeah. So, like, all of a sudden it's, oh, it's fine. I can yeah. be sober and it doesn't have to be a thing. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's been amazing. This year has been incredible, and I think the blog's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think when you when you, it's always nice to get that kind of like feedback from an audience yeah. of like when someone relates to your story and they come along and go, oh yeah, you know, I can completely understand where you're coming yeah. from because I think in a way like we're saying like positive work and quite uplifting work, I'm very put off by it. Yeah, and I know that's part down to my personality. Of, I'm quite a cynical person, but. At the same time, it always feels kind of cheap. Commercial. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you're trying to kind of play to this, and when someone reveals something quite dark or personal, it's like, oh, they're giving giving away a little bit of themselves, and I can take that. Yeah, I can, I can take that little bit of thing, and I I know that, and I don't know why. Well, you were really like, encouraging really when I first started doing the male gaze. Yeah, because you were the first person that I told. And yeah. I was like. Great, I'm doing a sex diary. <laughs> and it like, started off as it. like, every time, <laughs> yeah, every time something of note happens, I'm going to write or draw about yeah. it. And you were like, yeah, do it. And you should do something with it, like have an exhibition or yeah. get it published or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the things that you said was like, it'd be really cool to see more kind of personal stuff yeah. from you, yeah. which is good. But do you find with Null Point, with it all being kind of, um, anonymous, or not kind of anonymous, it is anonymous. Yeah. Um, that you you won't get people saying to you, oh, your work is relatable or whatever, because they don't know what's yours. Not necessarily. I mean, obviously, for anyone listening, no points, the zine, which I make. Um, which they should know if they're following they you. But, I mean, I don't, <laughs> have, I don't advertise it because it's against the rules. It's, it's in the manifesto. But it's there, there's an advert. It. Well, that's just MP. It could be anything. And it's not about you. So. Yeah, it's not about you. No problem. No pepperoni. No problem. This is not about you. You know, it could be anything. But yeah, I mean, at no point we started as a zine. Um, it's an anonymous zine. And I kind of, in a way, your, your work inspired it a little bit of meeting people. And I was meeting so many creatives who were so afraid to make work. 
mm. or be able to make work which was different from yeah. their usual work. And you had the if you get of, so set in your branding, yeah, you wanted to make work outside of body positivity, but that's what people were expecting. Yeah. And it was like, well, someone should have the ability who can just publish it. So that's why I started No Point because it was like, I'll accept anything. It can be all anonymous. You don't have to worry about damaging your brand. You don't have to worry about setting people it's up for just a fall. Expression, just send it? it and I'll just post it out. Plus then I suppose the work speaks for itself. Yeah. Like then it's not about the names attached to the work. Yeah. So any response, like they don't know who wrote it. They've got yeah. no context. It's essentially. Which is interesting. The res- response I get is less, is like, oh, you know, I can relate, relate to your story. It's like, oh, who did that? Or, or did you write that? Because I can't relate that to you. And I'm like, well, no, that doesn't relate to me. It relates to some random person who submitted this work. Mm. And it's, it's kind of this nice little thing of them knowing that somewhere out there, there's someone who kind of relates to it, but at the same time might not be. I think, like, um, I think what, what we were saying about artists kind of working quite solitary and there being a sense of loneliness, I think that when you create something and it's really personal and you do get such a response of people mm. saying... I know what you're saying and yeah. I've been through something similar or they relate to it, then there is that feeling of connection. I think a lot of people who create, it's about their own experiences as a human and I think if we can make connections with other people, I don't know, I think there's something quite yeah. powerful in that. Yeah. I always kind of, I like taking back to the people who made and going, oh, so-and-so asked about your work. Yeah. I mean, it's like when we were at uh, Crash Course the other yeah. week. And, uh, is that what Charlotte... you were telling me about? With the hat wanker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Charlotte yeah. Uh, Greenlee, who's I've been on the podcast before, discussing feminism, actually. As a, as a, as a Sorry, I'm staring again. <laughs> <laughs> um, she came out, she went to the crash course uh, with yeah. us, and she performed a piece from Null Point, yes. which I then took back to the writer and was like, watch this, we, we, someone performed your work who this never met response. you, this is their response, and this is the response of the room, and Everyone he was like, yeah, this is fantastic, that. this is, you know, this is unexpected, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Because people want to hear your work, so you should be out making work. Absolutely. That's quite encouraging. Yeah. Really encouraging. Because I think, um, in some respects, like, a lot of the reasons why there aren't any female comedians is, like, the fear of having a go. Because I especially think the comedy circuit would be quite difficult and intimidating to have a first attempt at. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's very male-saturated, which isn't a problem, um, but I wonder if maybe there's a few women that would be like, I'd love to have a go, but I don't it's see terrifying. any other girls having a go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I find, because I try for my stuff to be comedy poetry, whether or not it is. <laughs> but so I think people are being polite when they laugh. Um, but certain venues are easier, like pubs yeah. are easier, especially like, but then like, um, I've done the Brewer open mic and you kind of are shouting to be heard sometimes. Um, but um, Birdcage is good. It's just waiting for people. It's like, um, do you know Susie? She she performed first at um, Crash yes. Course. Yeah. Yeah, Her stuff yeah. is really kind of out there. And when she performed, um, when she read Merry Legs, the the horse porn thing yeah. um, that isn't hers, which is <laughs> I, I I still believe that it, that she wrote it. <laughs> but um, she has to wait. Not for so most performers. Um, and this is completely paraphrasing what she said. I'm not saying this is my own thing, but um, like if I perform, yeah. I'm like, well, I have to have a few drinks first, which is a problem, and that is a thing. <laughs> I that used but, to be me as yeah. well. I used to not be able yeah, to yeah. perform without a drink, and yeah, that was because a... it's terrifying, especially if it's something really personal or it's a poem about your vagina. Um, whereas Susie has to wait for the audience to get drunk right. before oh. she can so perform, which is it. fascinating. Yeah. That's interesting. and it goes down so much better. Um, whereas like. 
um, it's so difficult with comedy um, because you're. It's not like someone who gets up and, and writes a really beautiful, flowery poem because there's no that you expect to applause at the end. But there's no response required. Yeah. Whereas with every joke, with comedy, you're waiting for a response, and if you don't yeah. get it, it's really daunting, and. It's kind of so when I performed at Crash Course, so the, the first point where people kind of, I, well, I hope that they laugh, there was no, like, we could do like a tumbleweed. Right. <laughs> and in my head, I'm going, shit, 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 <laughs> shit, shit. Um, and I, mean, I think it got better as I went on. Yeah. But when you're completely sober and everyone else is sober, everyone's like a bit more, oh, bit, what? Bit tighter, yeah, yeah, or like questioning you maybe, where yeah. instead of just kind of maybe a bit more, oh, all right then, <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot comedy, of comedy, really like, and there's people, a problem with people with with funny women as well. Like some people get like intimidated by women that are trying to be funnier than them, yeah. or not even funnier than them, just funny. Like I think some people see it as like a threat, yeah. or like you're kind of trying to compensate for something. I don't know. But or they, like, oh, they like are trying to be funny. Yeah, it seems um, like you have to prove yourself more, justify yourself a bit more. I literally feel like in comedy audiences. Especially when there's comedians in the audiences, there's a sense of go on then, yeah, make oh, me laugh, yeah, like a challenge, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which no, is absolutely. intimidating as hell. Like yeah. if that was your first time trying to have a go at comedy, yeah. and to be honest, I think everybody should try and have a go, whatever they fancy having yeah. a go at. Like there should be no. And we should always encourage it, no matter how good or bad. Yeah, no matter is. what the level of ability is. Yeah. Like you're never going to get good unless you have a go. We don't start off being brilliant. No. Yeah. Like we all start. I think the first song I learned was Savage Garden, which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember why. I think it's because I found some chord papers for it. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to have a go at guitar and like try to learn it. So yeah, yeah that is totally not cool. But <laughs> you have a go. You, you get up and you do it. I think. I think that's a very, in a way, it's a very English thing, though. Yeah. Having a brutal audience is a very yes. English thing, regardless yeah. of kind of why you're doing it or, or what you're up there or anything like that. Because you find, because it's the difference between, like, American comedy and British comedy. Mm. So American hecklers are allowed to heckle. Yeah. They don't get thrown out. But in the UK, we do. I love hecklers. Yeah. I think it's great. They add to the show. Yeah, but I only if the person can handle it. Yes, that's the thing. Because <laughs> it's the thing. If you Otherwise can't handle a heckler, really you just crush. <laughs> because I mean, on a personal level, I did an open mic recently, um, and it was probably one of my better ones. And I was so tired. So I just yeah. done an, um, a night shift, so I just kind of woke up. I was like, oh, I've been napping, and I dribbled on myself, and I was like, right, I'm off to open mic. I said I'll go. Tumbled down, and then they threw me on the stage. Um, and I was completely like in a weird mindset and we ended up just having this massive like participate like me and the audience yeah. having loads of banter and it being really funny the yeah. spontaneity sometimes yes. can help if you don't overthink it if you yeah. don't overthink it and if like you're somebody like for me I don't think I could like write something and then perform it like and be funny but I find interaction with people and like sparking off people yeah. and being able to like quickly come up with something. They've got to fill in on the joke. Like. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, which I think is really good. So I don't see why heckling is a problem. I yeah. think sometimes it can almost help a performer. Yeah, if they can handle it. If yeah. they can handle see, it. See, it's yeah. from, interesting from my point of view of kind of. I always love watching insult com comics because it's strange to see how an audience would want to go to be insulted. Yeah. And yet that's exactly what they do and people love it. Mm. Yeah. Compared to like other comics, you're like, what? Really? You're going to go spend an hour being insulted yeah. by someone on stage yeah, like with a microphone? And stuff yeah, like that. And you just kind of like, 
There's a little. I think it's just a little part of us, which is like we want that human connection, regardless we of what that connection be, is. We want to be noticed <laughs> yeah. and, and so commented yeah. on. It's relatable. Of, oh, well, they might yeah. come along. Yeah. Well, there's that restaurant in America, isn't there, where it's um, rude waiters? Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's basically a restaurant <laughs> where the staff are rude to you. Oh my god! I feel like sounds... anyone who's ever worked in customer service would, would love absolutely love that. Oh, I think it's brilliant. I yeah. think it's brilliant because I think it puts down that wall of I have to smile at you yeah. and be yeah. pleasant, and which can be really taxing if you work in a front-facing. I find it kind of disturbing when waiters and, and the like are overly friendly. Yeah, or like front front of house and they're excessively friendly and they want to solve everything. I'm sorry, I think I don't need this. I can't. I can't <laughs> go, go, go into lush. I can't go into lush <laughs> because they follow me and they talk to me and they're like, I'm your best friend, and I'm I sometimes. Oh. I fall right into the trap. I'm awful. No, I end up being rude because sometimes I have like social anxiety yeah. where I'm having one of those days and I just don't want to be spoken to. Yeah. And I, I go to lush and I'm like, I want my sleepy stuff because I buy the same stuff. Uh, this is what I want, and this is what I want, and I'm not in the mood from human interaction. I decide tunnel vision. Yes, this yeah. is where I'm going. This is what I'm buying. And I go in, and all of a sudden, there's a person with so much personality. Yeah. Like, hello. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I turn around and I've genuinely said to them, "Please don't sell to me. Will you please leave me alone? <laughs> I know what I want." And then felt awful, like I'm an awful human yeah, being. I, I worry so much about people in those jobs that I'll, I'll always like be like, hey, "Okay, just talk to me about things," and then I'll do the awkward kind of. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get it another time. Yeah, my yeah. thing is, you don't want to oh, be I my friend. You don't want to be my friend. I yeah. can smell corporate agenda. Get away from me. <laughs> Which is not good. <laughs> Afterwards, I go home and I'm like, I'm an awful human being. Yeah. And then the next day, I might be in a, a more accommodating mood and be like, no, thank you. That's fine. Like, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. But sometimes, like, we can't help it. A rude wit, that sounds. Rude witter. <laughs> rude wit, yeah. We can yeah. <laughs> I do feel bad. Is that I should have told that. Just going to come up to the event and go be just be rude. <laughs> At the moment, we've got no reason to be rude. If if we get a load of like gay crushes with the male agenda, <laughs> that'd be we quite might. strange. That'd be interesting to watch. No, yeah. to, not that I want your event to fail or anything, but that, no, from no, an no. outside perspective, no, exactly. But I mean, it's sort of thing like what how, what would our response be? Yeah, yeah it, it yeah. I never even thought of that. It's not going to happen. Mm. We've had nothing so far. We've no. had. I mean, I wouldn't imagine you would. No. No. I'm take us on if you think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the war cry from. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Bring it on. <laughs> Um, well, they'll be like, well, that horrible girl was mean to the girl in Lush, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you get the Lush crisis, too, and I'm just like, what do you say about that? She's like, she's like, she's like, I think, yeah, there's a real, there's a balance to strike with, with, with performance. And, yeah, and but with your, you with the podcast episodes that you do that's you on your own, yeah. they can get quite, not personal, but you get to air your... Yeah, I think I do them as a, a bit of like a palate cleanser. Kind of so between. is that like an ex- like an I need to get this out of my system or? No, that's see, that's just more of again my my compulsion to make something. Okay. Because the way I, the way I do the individual ones is I'll have an idea about any subject and I'll just write that down, and then I'll just ramble about it for thirty minutes, and that that rambling. <clears throat> With me, does tend to get a bit more personal, especially yeah. with, when you do it on your own. You're in a room, you forget, and then you get to the end of it and you just publish it. And that, that's the way I see it. I never listen back to what I've done. No. I, I, those one, like these ones, I will for like levels and yeah, yeah. Some bops like that. But in terms of the ones which I record myself, I never listen to them. Mm, I just record them, slap an intro on, and then it's gone. Mm. Mm. 
subject dealt with. On yeah. to the next. That's, yeah. that that's, that's dealt with, you know. That's interesting. In a way, that's worrying because I may have said things which I've completely forgotten about. But at the same time. <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> you got to fight back from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but do you like seeing people, um, do you like the kind of, I know, you, do you listen to podcasts? I don't listen to it. See, you know, this is the other thing. I don't really listen to podcasts. But. Yeah, I make podcasts. Yeah. Which is hmm. maybe that's pretentious of me. No, it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's honest. Hmm. But do you like seeing things where people do get very personal? Yeah, I mean, the reason I started making podcasts, or one of the reasons, was I watched uh, Mark Maron's uh, podcasts where he interviews various comedians and celebrities and stuff like that. And one of the reasons he started doing it was because he wanted a cathartic way to make honest work. Yeah. And so at the start of his show, he discuss, discusses part of himself and whatever he's been going through and then goes into the actual interview and then comes at the end of it and discusses how that affects him and how, his life and what he was doing with it. And I thought that was really interesting of just having, and again, getting guests onto the show, if it was just another place where people could just talk mm. about whatever they want, be as honest as they want, be as you know, contained as they want yeah. and just kind of come out with it and, and explore that a little bit mm. because you know, we need a bit more discussion. Yeah. That was, that was the kind of the end point goal. Right? So you have the podcast and zines yeah. and illustration. Is there You're any just promoting other... me now. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're interviewing you now. Yeah. So, so, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, um, are there any other art forms that you're wanting to explore as a form of like catharsis and expression? I do that all the time though. Because I'm I'm very much of the art world of it's not about the medium you're choosing, it's about what you're making. Mm. So it doesn't matter how you're making it, what you're making, or how you're exploring it, as long as you're making something. As long as you're doing something and what you're doing is honest. Or not honest, but it connects with the person. So you've got a discussion to have and that you're having that. Something genuine. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got ideas for sculptures and stuff, which I've literally never done. I do paintings and bits and bobs like that, and it's just... I'd love to have stuff. a go at sculpturing as well. Yeah. That sounds fun. I think sculpture is one of those ones which, again, it never feels accessible. Because when you think of sculpture, you think classical art. Yeah. You think marble, stone statues, statues yeah. and all that kind of thing. And then you kind of get into it. It's like, well, no, sculpture is just 3D. It's just, yeah, I have a friend who does art, um, who works for the Royal Standard in Liverpool. Mm. And I think for her, she did fine art at uni. She did some sculptures. And it was basically, she just went round and found a load of broken umbrellas. Like broken, discarded umbrellas, and she made a sculpture out of it, and it yeah. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's really interesting medium, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things of like like with you trying to get more women to express and show their work and and that kind of thing. A lot of what I do is just I do it, and I I never feel the need to show it. Yeah, which means it often gets lost. Yeah. Right, and I think that's that's the thing of creatives. I think a lot of people just make things and completely forget that they're doing it. Yeah. But something that, like, I know, we, you know, we bang on about women in the arts and everything, but I think it'd be really good to see more um, male performers, because you know, feelings, um, <laughs> throwback. Um, like, there, you know, there is the whole thing of, you know, it's, it's feminine, it's girlish to express your feelings. And obviously, you know, there's lots of songs about heartbreak and all this sort of stuff, but I don't think I've seen many, like, zines mm. or... Poetry, maybe not poetry, but I don't know. I just feel like we're, there's so much content that could be out there if yeah. if people felt like they could express it or that they could share what they have expressed. Um, I think there's a real 
like we could do with that. I think. I think there's a real like need for like vulnerability, male yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's definitely interesting and something. Um, <coughs> I think could do with more exposure. Mm. Yeah. I think it, in a way the vulnerability one kind of I, I always find interesting because I've never felt vulnerable without putting work out. I never think, oh, well, what will someone think of me? And if there's a topic which I can't discuss, I'll just I go about discussing. But I know there is people who will hide away yeah. certain subject matters which they they feel a bit a bit shy about. It. But I find it interesting the themes which artists choose to kind of relate like you saying you felt very personal about you, the, the poem about clitoris but i've never heard a male poem about a cock yeah that's interesting yeah. i've never heard a, a male go up to a stand-up performance and do just something yeah. about sex a lot of, me- a lot of erotica by men is very pretty yeah. and you know whereas like, like when you like see female booths, performers erotica. a lot of them choose sex as their main subject mm-hmm. and they'll go straight down the line of, of going straight into it and whereas I feel like male performers don't and mm. I, I find it I don't know why I don't know if it's because it, they, I think they might be the word that it comes off as like creepy or yeah could be like the, the poetic version of a dick pic or something like that yeah. kind of I'm a man I've got cock kind of thing um, I think yeah you know, that could be a, a male sexuality I think women as well like they're quite happy yeah. to be self-deprecating like, yeah, yeah. we'll see a lot of my humour is self-deprecating when it comes yeah. to the sexual experience whereas I think men struggle with that yeah mm-hmm. but then yeah. in comedy men insult themselves all the time yeah because that that's a lot of male comedy is, is very self-deprecating it's very I'm terrible this is why my life's terrible Look the things that life. we find funny the things that we relate to yeah it's very interesting of why the different. I'd I'd love I'd love there to be more. I mean, I'd love there to be more comedians and poets, and yeah. that we'll talk about those sort of things. So especially, yeah, like that. That would be great if there were like guys that could get up and be like, yeah. you know, make really bawdy, funny, relatable comedy. I think that would be. I think there's a worry as well. Like see. we were on about female comedians. I think the stereotype of female comedians is talking about the vagina. Mm. That's that's yeah, through, yeah. Through, the, through that counterpoint. But I think it works in the same way as, as much as I'd love to see males get up and talk about sex and, and their sexuality. I think there's a worry of being typecast from yeah. the other side of only seeing females do open mic and do performance about those kinds of subjects and being more willing to explore everything. Mm. And just, yeah, like you don't have going, you, you don't have to be really out there with your sexuality in order to be funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's certain response that you get as well when you make that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like I've not been doing it very long, but I, there has been people treat me in a different way. Yeah. And especially like with dating, yeah. as soon as you kind of say, "Oh, this is the sort of stuff I write," there's kind of not with everybody, but there's kind of a bit of a switch turns <laughs> and they think, "Oh, yeah. please don't write a poem about my well, job." That's, well, that's part of it, but I never name anybody. Um, I will write about you know, but a, no one will know it's you. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. In the work it, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but or they they kind of think that you're just like a good time gal, right? Yeah, and yeah. there's not the kind of you know you can say oh I'm a poet or whatever. Yeah. And they think Keats and you know like Rolling Hills and floaty dresses and. Yeah. Um, I wondered lonely as a cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I write about getting drunk and fucking people. Yeah. And um, yeah, it has a very different. People either respect it and find it funny, and like, but it's very rare that someone will kind of get it. 
I was talking to somebody recently and they kind of said, oh, what, what poetry do you do? I was like, oh, well, the last one I performed was a love poem about my clitoris. And he was like, well, I performed a song about fucking a garden gnome in leather, so you don't need to worry. And I was like, yes, yes, yes okay. <laughs> That's a great response. No, I good. haven't yeah. had that one yeah. before. But people either love it, yeah. or say they love it, I don't know, they might hate it, um, or they get intimidated by it, and they're like, Ugh, no, that yeah. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't know if it's because of the worry that they're going to be written about, or um, I think there's just this whole thing of women kind of not putting up with sex, but kind of being the lesser yeah. charged and sexualised, kind of, not sexualised, but sexual, um, that if someone is out there and saying these things, that it can be just a bit like, ah, that people don't really know how to yeah. respond. I think in, it's maybe in that way, the whole idea of kind of male sexuality as well is that there's, at the moment at least, there's a very a very big idea of male sexuality is threatening. Yeah. That That's an overarching thing of if someone, you have a male who's interested in sex, they're early in sex, then they're quite predatory. Yeah. And mm. that kind of get loops into it. Yeah. Rather than just seeing it as one, well, no, this is just another part yeah, of being yeah. a person. We all, yeah. yeah. yeah but I think this, um, I mean, all of this stuff, I think it's a really good opportunity to just start having more conversations. Yeah. I think there's so much... Um, I don't know, like men and women talking to each other. Yeah. Like sex can still be sexy if you talk about it. It doesn't yeah. have to be something that sometimes you say. So. Yeah, sometimes yeah. if you can communicate, I don't like this, I like this, you know, do it this way. Yeah. Then at least then you're educating each other and it can still be sexy. Like this whole movement of women saying these things have happened to us by men that isn't okay. We're not okay with it. Yeah. Um, that's good. Men can be right, okay, that's they don't want us to do that. What do you want us to do? Yeah. How do we have sex with you without disrespecting <laughs> you? The thing, yeah, like there aren't. Maybe we're not seeing male performers being like because they're so worried of being yeah. the the Weinstein's yeah, and yeah. the you know yeah. like. I think you can talk about sex or you can talk about sexuality it, yeah. without being rapey yeah. and yeah. without being Definitely. intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And like, sex can be something that is funny and is candid and is you know, is sexy yeah. without it being something, yeah, without you having power. to, yeah. yeah, I don't see it as like men, are, I, I think men are worried everywhere, we're, what are we going to do when we're dating women, how are we going to be physical with them, you know, yeah. what about flirting, what about nuance, what about, you know, all of the connotations that go onto the level surface of a conversation with someone, yeah. where you think, I think they like me, um, all of that unspoken dialogue that happens between the sexes, like, I think none of that will go away, but yeah. I think we will start having more open, like, yeah. conversations. But, then when, but when it goes right, it goes really right. So when I mm. saw when I saw Nick Helm, my future husband... Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of the yeah, Nick Helm. Yeah, everyone, Nick anyone who knows me, they've seen the cushion. I'll tag Nick Helm in this at the end of it. We'll yeah. So, if you see this, I'll never want to marry me. Um, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, flirted with me on Twitter. Um... Um, he he tried something new with his set so his stuff is very it's like a mixture of like kind of raw kind of I'm gonna fuck you but then I might cry afterwards like it's this kind of <laughs> this really lovely kind of sensitivity but then also this kind of charge of like masculinity and um, but this time he I mean there was still that but he had this story about how he really liked this girl at uni and like but it just kind of never happened like she always had a boyfriend or he had a girlfriend and it never really happened and they met years later and they ended up back at her place and 
um, he kind of went into all these like little lovely little details about how she was living with her parents, all the stuff about from her teenage years and how it was a beautiful moment and the moonlight was <laughs> bouncing off her skin and thing. And then the story went on to say about how the lights were out and she was so violent with a hand job that he bled everywhere. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and it was funny, but it was sweet, and he's yeah. kind of like, I don't want to insult her, and I like her so much that I'm not going to say anything, but I really need to go to A&E. <laughs> and she walked out and left him. That was the end of the story. But it was like, because he was expressing that he wanted to have sex with her, yeah. and he was expressing that he enjoyed it up to that point, but it wasn't leery or weird or insulting towards her, even yeah, though yeah. she made his cock bleed. Yeah. At no point were you, go, were you thinking, he resents her for yeah, it, yeah. he hates her it's just a really funny situation um and apparently like he's he's trying more kind of personal um but still witty stuff and it works like you can do it you can do it without being a creep and i'd love to see more stuff like that yeah i would but with less fatalities and not fatalities in his but injuries. <laughs> and, and now he's died. dead. I'll never marry And jobs kill people. Be safe out there. Be safe people. Be safe people. That's the name of this episode. Hand jobs kill people with Witter. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to use that. I think the most successful podcast I have is called Productive Masturbation, oh. and that was like a solo one I did, and it's just because it has the tag masturbation in it, and the amount of people who search for masturbation, I'm like, I will happily have that as my search. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Fair enough. I think we're coming to an end. Yeah. So last time, plug your plug your stuff. What are you, what are you, what are you going on? When it is? When is it? For the people who've made it to the end of this podcast. <laughs> have gone on, haven't we? Um, so yes, March the eighth. Yes. Um, so six days time from the future um, <laughs> they've got a whole time warp going on yeah. in the blue room um, tickets are gone but um, do people should stay up to with us because this is just this is just the beginning You've this is the foreplay we have yeah we've, we've already got things in the pipeline um, yeah. there's going to be more stuff coming um, like the page go onto Facebook like our page yeah. um, send us emails um, is it women at the arts at gmail women in the arts lincoln at gmail.com yes and then we can add you to our directory so yes. if you're an artist if you're interested you want to be involved if you're a sponsor or a patron and you want to help us push forward with it yeah then please yeah we really need to, we'd love to have more people supporting us um so we can get some more stuff done but also if anyone's watching this and they are a um female creator of anything Use the hashtag I support Witter on all of your social media so we can find you, we can promote you, we can share you with our followers because that's what we want to do. We want to uplift and share people's work. And so just put that hashtag along, we will search it and we'll find everybody that is posting with it. We will find you, track you down, and bring you loveliness, hopefully. Well, thank you for coming on our show. Thanks Thanks for having us. And it's snowing and it's adorable. I know. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk to these guys later. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.